Hi, welcome to the Dreamcatchers. We are sisters and business partners, Marissa Klein K and Jamie Klein Stozer. We know a little something about dreaming big. In our day jobs, we run the fashion and media division of our family staffing firm in New York City, Choice Associates. We have built a brand around helping others and good energy. Known in our personal and professional worlds as lightworkers, igniters, and most of all believers, Jamie and I are not only dreamers, but we are doers, and we hope our energy is contagious. On this podcast, we will be chatting to each other and to some of our favorite dream catchers, the people who inspire us not only about career, but about making magic wherever they go. On What's Your Story, we will focus on real people with killer jobs and talk about how they got where they are today. Thanks for joining us. Subscribe now and follow us on social media at Dreamcatchers23 for updates and episodes. Hi, everyone. Welcome good morning, to Dreamcatchers. Hi, Maris. Hi, good morning. Good morning. Joelle, thank you so much for being here today. Um, we are so, so thrilled to have Joelle here. She is a an old and dear friend of ours. Um, we actually were just catching up before this that we I can't understand how her kids are as old as they are. But if my kids are as old as they are, like that makes sense because they were older. Um, but we know Joelle from our Hoboken days, and she's here today to chat with us about her career and her journey and how she has survived um, this pandemic and just kind of fill us in on what's going on with her. So, Joelle, I'd love for you to introduce yourself to our audience. Hi, everyone. First of all, before I get into myself, I just want to say I am absolutely in love with the fact that you guys do this. Like, this is, you know, how I built this is one of my favorite podcasts. And when I, when you first, you know, Marissa had reached out and invited me and I started investigating what the Dream Catchers was all about and taking a look at some of the podcasts, I absolutely love, I love how personal it is. I love how local it is, you know, how connected it is. And I'm just, I'm so, I'm so impressed by you. Not that I'm surprised at all, because I know that you both have always been entrepreneurs. Marissa, I still have so many of those frames that I used to buy. <laughs> this, this audience barely even knows about that. Which I've mentioned it a couple times, Rissy Lynn, TBT to Rissy Lynn. Uh, if you're ever still in business, you have no idea. I have like a collection that I would take from you. But this is- um, By the way, they really held up nicely, right? I'm looking at- Marissa, do you have one right there? Show the audience. I do. Show one. I do. Marissa a- used to make, not to interrupt you, Joelle, but Marissa used to make frames before like Etsy was a thing. I love them. Aww. I have in my daughter's room. Yeah, this, I- is, this is like, you know, this is like a, a, a bottom of the barrel one. Um, bottom of the barrel. By the girl, it's like hidden in the upstairs office and like it's Jamie's graduation from college in the pit. So, um, <laughs> Which was yeah, like two years ago. I appreciate you saying that. It was before social media. If I had had social media then, I wouldn't be on this call with you guys. Sorry. Yeah. That would be very a lucrative business, I have to say. But I'm not surprised that you're doing this and I absolutely love that you invited me. So thank you. Um, my name is Joelle Friedland. I am one of the founders. I'm one of three partners of um, uh, a creative agency that specializes primarily in healthcare, although we do have some consumer business as well. Um, and we started this creative agency about five years ago. It's um, This August, actually, it'll be five years. Um, technically, I guess, like between August and October when we actually sort of formed the company. But we have now over 100 people. Um, and two offices in New York, one that actually started being repopulated yesterday. Um, Amazing. A couple of people. And then an office in London as well. And so um, it's just been, I feel like it's been a really busy, you know, a couple of years, but it's been the, probably the most rewarding 
time in my entire life. So. Oh my gosh, I can't wait to hear about it. You say that like it's like, you know, like we're just chatting and like, so everyone has to understand, like I know Joelle, I mean, it's probably 12 years, mm-hmm. which for, for in grown up life, that's a long time because we're starting to be old, but that's fine. Um, but I know you a long time and you always worked hard and we always bonded. Our kids were relatively the same age. We bonded about balancing it all. And, and frankly, 12 years ago, 11 years ago, 10 years ago, it felt a lot different to mm-hmm. balance it all than it does today. And obviously the new version of today is a, a very different version than it even was a couple months ago. But we really were connected emotionally that way because we did a lot of all the things. We were present mothers, but also working mothers. Um, and that was challenging, especially in our semi-urban environment of Hoboken, which is a story in and of itself. You either were home or you weren't home. And then the in-between people had their own crew. And anyway, Joelle was one of my special people when I first moved there. Her sister, yeah. actually. And um, some credit some cred to the twin, or the triplet. Um, I talked so, about that offline too. Yeah. One of the other reasons that we were always so connected is that Joelle is one of um, a, a set of twin sisters in Hoboken. And Marissa and I, everyone thought we were twin sisters. So we had this like, the, the twins, or the real the, twins, or the, the fake twins? twins? Yeah, we're not the blonde twins. twins, or the fake twins, or the or the other twins, or those twins. I'm like, we're not twins, like actually. No, no I'm four years older. But so, P.S. Jamie likes to remind everybody that I'm a lot older than her, but it's fine. Um, so, but I'm sitting here thinking, I'm you're you're talking about how you still have my picture frame that I was always a doer, an entrepreneur, an entrepreneur, and da da da. And you're this woman that has two kids and. You know, oh, NBD, I started my creative agency, you know, five years ago, which, by the way, I can't believe that's five years ago. That's crazy. And oh, I just have, like, you know, 100 people working for me. Oh, that's fine. Yeah, like, no big deal. Okay. I love it. Um, thanks for making the time, guys. By the way, to your team, thank you for sharing this terrific woman with us this morning. So what I love about conversations like this, even when it is someone that's special in our web, so to speak, is kind of actually getting into the to the down and dirty of how you got to be the the woman that you are today and it it, to me is probably the most intriguing storyline in career because it is extremely human and normal like normalization of everybody's trials and tribulations and frankly i would say now more than ever you got a lot of confused disillusioned um frustrated scared and also hungry to do something different make impact wanting inspiration uh people out out there so when we start talking we always like to bring it all the way back to the very beginning so we know who you are today all the way back to the very beginning what did you want to be when you were little when you were to grow up What's your first big memory? Oh my gosh, that is um, when I, yeah, the first, the first job, the first career that I thought that I wanted to be was actually um, in publishing or a publisher. I couldn't, when I was a child, I could not comprehend the fact that someone would get paid to read. That was actually a job where you could read books and, you know, and learn and absorb as much as possible and get paid to do that. So I was just so enamored with, you know, sort of that as a career. And then... I'm not sure even when it changed. At some point I thought, well, maybe I would want to get into 
law. And I don't know why, I think maybe it was episodes of Law and Order. I'm not sure what, but I absolutely love the idea of like law and just like justice and, you know, and sort of like doing like a greater good. And I actually, many people don't know this. I actually joined the debate team in high school. I was, uh, I was on the debate team. I don't think I was very good, but it was a fun sort of experience to sort of just be exposed to what, you know, litigation could look like and, you know, sort of, you know, um, doing that. And I actually pursued law and criminal justice throughout my, um, you know, throughout my education and worked ultimately at a law firm where I thought that that was going to be like, that would be what I ended up doing. I was going to be either a litigator or work in some type of, you know, corporate um, law type of role. You know, I didn't know that. I didn't know that. I didn't know that. And you went to Wisconsin. Did you study law there or what did you like pre like poli sci type stuff or what did you do? Exactly. I did. um, So it was sort of a criminal justice law direction, but I majored, I double majored in history and political science. Two areas, which I absolutely love, but I feel like I've sort of seeped out of my brain. Like like my brain only has a certain amount of capacity and I feel like all that went into the gray space. Well, you know what? You can just watch Hamilton on Disney Plus and refresh those little brain waves. That's all you need. That's like the basic history of our country and law. So there it goes. Um, if, if you haven't watched it yet, it's amazing. Um, okay, so you wanted to be maybe a lawyer, maybe a publisher, maybe getting paid to read, which I think is a really interesting thing. Marissa and I always talk about how the thing that you wanted to be when you grew up is actually somewhat ish like can dictate the direction that you took yeah um so tell us what was your first internship then so like when you were in college you're studying criminal justice and law and what was your first kind of actually what was your first real job first and then what was your first internship so to be clear mine was in a bagel store okay that's yeah Yeah, like real job like what was the first thing you got paid to do so I actually, when I was living in New York City, I grew up there, you know, um, for a while, a portion of my life. And I was 11 years old and I actually started babysitting a child where I would pick him up at his private school downtown. And I was 11. Like, it's sort of mind blowing to me now, knowing that I've got, a, you know, a 13 year old and an 11 year old that someone would go into the city, pick up a child, be responsible for like preparation of his dinner and homework. And then I know. Could you imagine your kids doing that right now? I feel like I'm checking in on that. I'm like, I have them. <laughs> The find your phone app just to see sort of where they are and what they're up to. Right. That was my first, like, that was officially. And then Camp Ramakoy, I was actually a counselor mm-hmm. there you know, for a while. So those were like the first sort of paid jobs. Same. I did waitress. And I have to say, waitressing was probably one of my most fun jobs ever. And I'm so happy I got that experience of like managing all the, the pressure and the demands and like understanding the basics of just customer service. At 100%. I love that you just said that. We tell candidates all the time, don't take that off your resume. Even if it's one line when you first graduate, I want to know you were a waitress because to me, or worked in retail for that matter, you know, so often these kids are told to take that off their resume. But when you're first starting out, there, there's something about that as a talking point, right? So here's Joelle, owns her own, you know, co-founded a firm. And she just said in one of her first sentences that she's, a, you know, remembers her days as a waitress. So that to me is a talking point on a, on a, on an interview. It's like you waitress. That means that you know how to balance it all, potentially make change of cash or all of those things. Um, and not for nothing, I would say it's a bold statement that if you have been a waitress, there are two kinds of people in this world, people that have been a waitress or waiter and the people that haven't. 
Mm-hmm. And when they handle themselves, now not that I'm eating anywhere these days, um, but I support everybody that is, um, I would say there's always a certain delivery. There's always a certain way that you would listen. There's always a certain way that you communicate. If, if you have stood at that table and been talked to in maybe not the kindest way. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, and I think client service, client relations, customer service, patience, tenacity, understanding a difficult difficult client, I believe that started for me behind the counter in a luncheonette. Literally. I because can, I, I, I would agree. sit there, I would be like, okay, this person, I know what he's all about. I want to make sure his coffee's right on time because I don't want to deal with the rack, right? And this, I'm 16 years old. I started the bagel store. I didn't last that long. It's a, a sob story for another day. Um, I couldn't work the slicer. It was, you know, if I can't work the slicer, it's too young to work the slicer. I couldn't make sandwiches. I was just in the way. Anyway, I moved on to a luncheonette and that's where I waitressed. Yeah. And I, I, I couldn't agree more. Um, yeah. Okay. Oh, so... Go ahead. No, I said there is a psych- like understanding how to like, especially if you're dealing with challenging people or families, like there's a psychology in, in just even tempering people, right? Like sort of managing through conflict. And I think a lot of waitressing is, you know, especially when you're dealing with people that were rushed. I happened to waitress out in the Hamptons. So there was a certain clientele, you know, and it definitely mm-hmm. people. So, so my waitressing experience was not in the Hamptons. It was at Friendly's in Norwood, New Jersey, which is now a bank. <laughs> which is now a bank, but big groups of like annoying kids, like, like, which I didn't understand at the time, which now I go to restaurants with my annoying kids, but like that layer. And then like the older clientele, like the, the retirees who just like wanted their coffee warmed up and being able, and this is, I was 15 years old when I did that. And it was one of the most fun jobs I ever had. Cause I was the waitress. My best friend was the ice cream scooper. And our other best friend was the hostess. So we were like all there together and it was actually really, really fun. And I remember those days fondly too. Um, Okay. So that was your first real job. What was your first internship then? Like when did you um, start working or what you thought was going to be your career path? So it was at a law firm. So in college one year, um, it was going from sophomore year to junior year. A bunch of my friends and I actually rented a house. It was actually the first house that I think girls ever lived in. It was a former frat house. It was Discussing, but we stayed there and all of my friends went to summer school. I actually worked at the law firm up at the Capitol. So this was in Madison, Wisconsin. That was my first sort of internship. And every summer after that, um, or I guess the next two summers, I worked at big city law firms. So White and Case or you know, Davis Polk, like got an experience of just different parts of law. And um, I don't know, I was like fueled by the energy of just that environment, you know, how quickly everything worked. Like I felt like, I guess, like a true sort of working woman, you know, sort of from the movie. I don't know. It was inspiring. But again, I grew up, my mother was single um, and worked all the time. Like I would say probably a serial workaholic. So I was always exposed to that. And I think it just, in some ways is part of my DNA. So. Well, now well, we are raising, we are raising ourselves then. We are all raising ourselves here. Um, was, I think all of us have a small bit of being a serial workaholic, which is why we all kind of are cut from the same cloth. So when did you have your like aha moment? Like when did you switch to more creative or agency life or advertising or media and what you're and doing now? And now like, I don't want to take the, I don't want to take the bar. You know, yeah, what, like, where did that change? So that is sort of what it was. Actually, I'm you just know that like I, loved working in the law firm. Like I actually worked and these were like grueling days where I would work like 
48 hours, we'd go home, shower, sleep for a little bit and go back 48 hours. It was just sort of that big city law firm mentality. And I was so excited about that, but I knew at that time I actually became, so after I graduated, I was a legal assistant. And I was doing that specifically to understand, well, what is the right specialty that I want? Like if I'm gonna go to law school, I wanna be sort of specialized because I mm -hmm. believe that would then allow me to get a better, more focused, you know, sort of guaranteed employment as an associate at a firm that I wanted if I did it, if I approached it that way. But after doing that, the, the prospect of actually going back to school after I was in that, I just, I, it actually was hard for me. And I realized I didn't want to sort of take a break and just go to law school. But I also knew that at the hours that I, were work at, that I was working, I couldn't manage both. So I, I went on vacation actually. And during this time, I actually spoke to my mother who happened to be a recruiter in, you know, in sort of executive recruiter who has, it's funny, I don't, I typically would never really ask for her opinion, right? It's my mom, you sort of mm -hmm. avoid that naturally, mm -hmm. just a mother-daughter relationship. But it, it was her expertise. That's exactly what she, you know, what she did. People paid her tons of money to be able to actually guide them. And so she was the one who suggested maybe explore something outside of it that allowed you to tap into your, your creative side, but also allowed you to fill that need and those fundamentals of like the, the legal aspect or the regulatory aspect. And so she suggested healthcare advertising and connected me with someone that would give me a sense of what agency life was about. And that after meeting and going into an advertising agency and experiencing and seeing, you know, I spent a day there sort of shadowing what that was like. And that hustle and bustle is not very different than a law firm. Exactly, exactly. It's just that you can wear The vibe is different. The you can, you can wear jeans. You missed it because it, it, when we're on a Zoom, like sometimes I heard her say, but you can wear jeans. Yeah. <laughs> it is. And that's important when you're 20. And by the way, in the, in the early 2000s, wearing jeans was like, yeah, that, like was, that a was a big deal. deal. I remember my first agency, I was in healthcare PR when I first graduated. You could not wear jeans. Like, no way. We, I worked for Marina Mar and she was a very like elevated woman with fancy clothes and we were supposed to wear the same. And it wasn't until way later in my career there that we were like allowed to wear jeans only on Fridays and like only in the summer and like only every other week, you know, like it was a very special day if you could dress down um, because you just never know if clients were going to be in the building similar to a law firm, I guess. But that's so funny that you could wear jeans. And I was like, always like, wait, should I switch to like the advertising side? Cause my agency, you couldn't wear jeans. And it was a very big point of the contention in those years. Um, okay. So you went into this law firm, you had, I mean, this uh, agency, you had this informational kind of conversation and then did you make that switch right away or how did you get your first job in there? So I actually, um, I negotiated sort of a, an interesting, um, I guess sort of, entry, you know, into, you know, into agency. I actually asked if I could, I needed to better understand how an agency functions in order to, for me, I thought in order to be successful. So I, I asked if I could do what's sort of like a producer or production role right now or project management, like a, at the time it was called traffic, which I don't even think exists mm -hmm. now. Um, and so I, I asked if I could do that for three months and then go into the client service role, which was called, you know, account management. And so we built that into that contract and that's exactly what happened. So I got a chance to understand well, what do the writers do? What are, you know, like, what do the designers do, the art directors, the studio, and you know, how does it all come together? And then after three months of that, I was sold and I really liked the aspect of actually helping to support um, the relationship with the clients and then went into you know, client service or account management at that time. And it was a small agency. So I was able to actually, you know, it was RCW and mm -hmm. I was able to work 
um, you know, one of my, you know, my first bosses was just an incredible mentor because she gave me so much, I think, autonomy and, um, and just opportunity, you know, to be yeah. involved in year one in pitches and, you know, leading tactical presentations where I really wasn't even sure exactly what I was doing, but I was sort of forced upon it. And you either sink or you swim in those situations. And I was holding on and paddling as quickly as possible. And um, a couple of years later, I then, um, you know, after what was years of really, really late nights, you know, just thought, thought, and I had a couple global launches underway. I'm like, let me think about what could be another opportunity. And that's when I made the shift to the agency that I worked at for, you know, for close to 14 years, which was, you know, a huge part of my life and a huge part of, I think, um, you know, exposing me to like just incredible people and role models and how things sort of function, which then from there, understanding what I loved about that and what, what, where I thought there could be more promise sort of catapulted me to, you know, to the agency that my two partners, you know, Stefan and Ben, you know, sort of created. And I, you know, I sort of smile when I say this because it comes with so much love, but I cannot, I could not even imagine or believe that an agency or that work could feel the way it does every single day. And we sort of set out to create, you know, a specific feeling, a lifestyle, more so than even a company or an agency. And it's about fun and about, you know, sort of free expression. And it's about, you know, being authentic and natural and no politics, no ego, like egos, no attitudes, no nothing. It's just about being real and being creative and inventive. It's almost like bringing us back to what an agency was always meant to do, to do which is mm -hmm. just great ideas. And um, it's just, it's fun and rewarding. I, if, I have if, two questions, may I ask? Of course. One, are you hiring? Just kidding. I'm actually not kidding. Um, I'm available. So second question is for people that are listening. Um, you know, I, I went to college, I went to school for business and marketing. Those were my majors. The first things I was exposed to undergraduate was the world of advertising because that is actually something that makes it into curricula, I believe. Um, some of the business guys. By the way, the way social media does now, but for us. Right. But for us, it was, uh, that was part of curriculum. We learned about. Yep. And then, you know, of course, I promoted or talked through my years of doing what I do, all the different disciplines and all the different things in business that you can do that you're not exposed to in college. But in layman's terms, you know, what's beautiful about you is like you explained yourself, like you wanted to research your choice. So you actually were like how you like to read to get paid, right? You spent three months trying to learn the business just to kind of get a taste. Um, and then you convert it into client service. So for people that don't understand what your agency or an agency like you does, can you say it in layman's terms also before you speak? Other thing that I think is really important to share, what I love about someone like Joelle, is that she had a focus in law, which by the way is a finite, you know, in my office, I'm lowbrow, I would say, you know, an Excel person, but she also had a creative side. So that juxtaposition is interesting. So she came into her aha moment being open-minded. You know, so many people come to us and they're like, I want to work in beauty. By the way, that was me. I want to work in fashion. Also me. But like, you know, for you to say I'm open-minded and just like the vibe and then start a career in healthcare PR, which by the way is normally not like number one top pick. I think it's, it's interesting and, and speaks volumes to 
going with your soul, your gut instinct of feeling comfort and being a more, it's a, it's a, it's a wise choice at a young age. It comes with wisdom. So you had wisdom gifted to you prior to the journey. But anyway, I think in this, in this day and age, in my opinion, you know, cultural fit, finding a mentor, yes. DNA that, you were, you were wise beyond your years. Yeah. I think that's a little bit more like common now, right? Where you're, you go into a company or an agency or a firm and you just like want to be there, like everything about the people and the vibe and the hustle and bustle appealed to you. And if you think about it, not to age us, you know, that was a long time ago. And to, to feel on um, in your gut that that was something you could like connect to is something we talk about all the time with our clients and our clients. So, so what, what is you want to work there? Like, what is, what is, sorry, when we're on Zoom, we all were talking, we interrupt each other. Um, what, what does mind and assembly mean? Like what, what, what is a, what is a creative agency? Like what, what's the, the, the mantra, the message? I mean, so as a creative agency, we create brands and we create brand experiences. I mean, it's, it's really that simple. Our name though, as an agency, you know, we, the way you sort of refer to it, at least the way I refer to it, is that it's, you know, two words and a symbol that describes who we are and what we do. So minds, like the most, I believe the most supremely talented people within the industry, like we have, you know, as a part of our agency. So people that love to generate ideas that are always thinking about um, invention, really, like just commercial invention, you know, bringing new ideas into the world, you know, and things that we get to dream up. And then there's the assembly part, which is that we, and that's twofold, the assembly, which is that we, we create, right? It's a part of who we are. It's a part of our process. Um, every person at our agency, regardless of the role that you're in, even if you're in finance or whether you're in editorial or, you know, medical and, you know, obviously designers and, you know, and writers, like you're a part of the creative process, but we also assemble like the right team with the right mix. So whether it's data and analytics or whether it's, you know, strategy or whether it's, you know, again, medical, you know, whoever it is, we assemble exactly what you need. And so it just, that, the simplicity of that allows us to then mm. have not just the dreamers, but also, you know, those that can make it a reality. And a lot of what we do is pushing ourselves to bring new brand experiences into the world that have never done before. And in healthcare, this is challenging and, and also an interesting dynamic because, a lot of people will say, and it's true that like pharma sort of lags behind consumer in like a lot, right? And that's because of there's regulatory challenges and, you know, and a lot of legal implications and you're dealing with people's health and their safety. But it's also a really interesting creative challenge because how you can actually sort of stand out and get noticed and build authentic connections um, in a way that, you know, that's meaningful mm -hmm. and you know, and becomes a reality. And so that I think is there. And that's where I think, you know, from my personality. Well, and listen, we all know as consumers, like the commercials, there's all the different commercials for a lot of the different drugs. And then all the, like the little things, side effects, blah, 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 the whispers of the back end, right? You know, even my kids pick up on that stuff. Where it's like, you know, where they notice. Of course, my husband works in advertising so that he doesn't, he doesn't really, he doesn't really love it when everyone fast forwards. Um, <laughs> so he said, you are fast forwarding why we're here. Thank you. Right. Um, you know, what's interesting about what you just said about the creative connection that you have to make um, that in and of itself, that challenge was why I loved working in pharma PR. So when I first graduated and, and started in beauty, I was an intern on CoverGirl, And that was what I got as a post-grad intern. Cause right after I graduated, it was a terrible time in 2003. I couldn't get a job otherwise. And then at the end of my internship, 
the only job available was in pharma at my agency. And I was like, I remember thinking like, I don't want to do pharmaceutical healthcare. Like, I mean, PR, I'm like, that's not what I like went to school for. I want to do like beauty or fashion. And I, again, also similar to you was open-minded. I had a conversation with someone who ended up being a mentor to me, who was like cool and young and fun. I'm like, she does pharma. I'm going to do pharma. And I, the, the fundamentals that you learn I mean, I was young at the time, obviously, but the fundamentals of pharma PR, being able to make a connection with a consumer out of science and and data was so interesting to me as somebody who was like kind of a school nerd, a little bit, you know, I like to read and I loved that connection. And the fact that we were able to do these like big, you know, flashy consumer events, I was like, oh, okay. You know, like there is more to it, but I did have to walk um, our press releases from my office on 50th and third down to Pfizer on 42nd and second, because we didn't want, we didn't trust a messenger. I was the messenger just in case they read, you know, it was very top secret stuff. I felt very important. No, I was going to say, but to go back, I mean, what Marissa was just saying, you know, to, to explain it in layman's terms. So obviously um, you create brands. So do you, so you partner obviously with the pharmaceutical companies that we know or have heard of, or maybe that we haven't to launch and or maintain their brands. So tell us a little bit, maybe an example of something like that for our audience that doesn't understand what you do. Okay. So, you know, and again, the bulk of our business is healthcare advertising. We do have some consumer brands, you know, but like, so giving you an example of that. So a lot of, you know, a brand to say for a disease and rare disease, because we do a lot actually in rare disease. And that's really interesting because there's only, um, it requires, you know, a lot of digital and personal sort of, you know, connection for people that could be all across the world, you know, that have the same very, very rare disease. And if you say, you know, that even some of the brands that we work on, there's just a couple hundred people in the world that actually have it. And wow. so this is Wild. where where a trial, you know, a study is being done, you know, conducted in a clinical trial. And usually at that point that they have, um, it's like phase three trials, so close to filing, we would get involved um, at that point. So the pharma company would actually reach out to us or the biotech or, you know, company to um, start to develop what that brand would be. So you would, you know, we would take a look at the data, determine what the positioning would be. Obviously, after we sort of explore what the market landscape is and, you know, from social to competitive audits, everything we determine and build from positioning to values, personality, and then we start creating the brand identity. You know, that's, that's the component actually, the brand identity, and then the campaign, and then all of the, what we call tactics or you know, programs around that to create a brand experience. So for instance, when you see a commercial for healthcare on there, that's, the commercial is just one, you know, sort of aspect of that, but there's a full, you know, brand experience as it relates to, and a lot of it, that we do is you know sort of mixed reality or more immersive experience even sensory experiences so that we're educating healthcare professionals so physicians for instance and we're right. is a lot of it b2b like is a lot of it you educating your your the the medical field um half of it most of the you know we do mostly consumer but we also do you know i would say I think more of our business is consumer, but we also have for most of our business also the professional side too. And most of it mm -hmm. actually is global and US. So when we're thinking about it, we have to, if we're building it in the US, for instance, we have to make sure 
that it's a universal brand that has application in other markets. So, you know, that it makes sense, you know, in Japan and in the same way that it makes sense in Europe in the same way that it makes sense, you know, in the U.S. That's right. ideally what our goal is. But we do do consumer. Um, a lot of it, you know, is consumer where we're reaching out to customers so that we can educate them. Well, here's here's information about your disease and here's how this product can help you. Um, and I think what uh, so I don't know if I mentioned this, but we were actually named um, the 11th fastest growing agency from Adweek. And the reason I'm actually telling you that is because I think why I'm oh, sorry, what did, what, what did you say? <laughs> Louder for the people in the back, Joelle. <laughs> actually third as far as medium size, but my partner's Ben and Seven and I, and our whole agency actually is so proud of this because we're the only agency on that list that, um, that works in health. And it's because we don't, you know, we don't approach it, Jamie, as you were saying, from like that pharma perspective, for mm -hmm. us, creating a brand that's actually going to be meaningful, irrespective of the fact that you've got some of these other challenges that you're sort of, you know, managing and that you need to confront as it relates to safety or as it, you know, relates to uh, expectation management. But so it is about creating, you know, for us, an immersive sort of experience where you just want to attach yourself to that brand. Um, and it becomes a lot of fun because that's where we get the opportunity to invent things. And so when you're thinking about a brand experience, if you were to think about like Xbox, for instance, right? Like you're, you're sort of like, you get sort of brought into that and you want to, you know, everything from the, the way that it's sold to the packaging, the attractions, like it's all done in a very, you know, specific way. We approach our products, even if it's a medicine in that same way. Mm -hmm. And after one of my, so Stefan, who's, you know, our sort of the co-founder who, you know, oversees design and tech, he, the bulk of his career actually was only in consumer. So we actually worked at places like Pixar and Activision and Casio and um, Xbox and Nintendo. And so, and the reason he wanted to go into health, Jamie, as you were saying, like how you were like, oh, well, it's health, but I guess it's the only option. He realized that everyone else was walking away from health and realized that there has to be a better way, that if everyone else is walking away, that means that something needs to be fixed. And anyone, mm -hmm. right. So that's why when we pair sort of my um, sort of skill set based on growing up in this industry and his, and then with our third partner, you know, Ben, who was, you know, the sort of chief creative officer at another agency, you know, and worked with me private uh, prior at, you know, CDM. It's just, we, I think, found that perfect mix of how to actually create brands and stand out in a, in a better way. And I think it's um, so interesting, even myself, I remember thinking like now, obviously when I look in hindsight, that for something that is so integral into all of our lives, right? Healthcare, in some way it touches us either in a consumer health way or, you know, for those that have a disease of some kind or know somebody that has a disease. The fact that there is like that shy away is so fascinating because if you think about it, it's so important. And yeah. unfortunately for all of us or fortunately, it touches all of us. So to be able to have a, a company that is making it cool and sexy and fun and, and fresh is such a, an amazing thing that you were able to do. And I think, you know, kudos to you guys for seeing that. And so actually to back up a moment, what made you decide to leave your almost 14, right? 14, 15 year career at a, at a leading agency to decide to make this change to go out on your own? It was, I mean, you did, you wanted to, you wanted to relax a little bit. Yeah. Right. Uh -huh. Why don't put your feet up? <laughs> <laughs> Oh my God. How did I know? It was, um, it, I, you know what, it, it actually took me a little bit of convincing because I wasn't entirely sure that I, I had a great 
sort of, you know, I had a great job. I think like I worked hard there. I was surrounded by really smart people. But when I thought about the prospect and the vision that Ben and Stefan had, and we really started talking about this and they had been talking about it for a little while. They first, when they first started talking about it, they approached me about it. And I was like, I don't know, like, why would I risk it? This is, you know, like what I have is great. Am I going to have to like, ask my husband for money for a manicure, you know, like what if it doesn't work or, you know, like I just couldn't think like the prospect of it, not, you know, potentially sort of succeeding when I knew I was in a successful role. Um, but when we started getting down to it and talking about how, how it would feel to work there, like the idea of a happy workshop was what we started talking about, what they started talking about and brought to me. And when we really started thinking about it and we actually conducted sort of a survey independently, all three of us about what is it that, you wanted to do and to feel and to, you know, um, and to experience and what that vision would look like. It was unbelievably, it was like uncanny how all three of us unprompted were so aligned in what that could look like and feel like. And it's, I have to say, it's so much like dramatically better than what we even had sort of put on paper. But it was honestly, I wouldn't, would never have considered it had it not been for Ben and Stefan. There was no two other people in this entire world that I would have done this with. And I have to say it's because I think I was blessed working with them, you know, previously and being inspired by them, being in all of them, you know, and, and then, and I, in some ways they, I think without a doubt make me, you know, sort of better and push me and the three of us in particular push each other. And as a result, the way that we work, where we challenge each other in a, and again, in an egoless sort of manner, is what is replicated and I think consistently sort of fueled within the agency themselves. Like we have- You know, I have them back here because we were hiding them this whole time. Make sure that they can hear your-, your Like this is like a, this is episode of This Is Your Life. Like I have Ben, you have Stefan. First of all, how beautiful your tribute, you know, uh, it almost makes me feel remiss that we didn't include them. I wouldn't have known next time. Um, but it is incredibly valuable and, and special to be able to speak of your colleagues with such authentic pride and inspiration. And I think that's an interesting segue now. So for me to say, okay, so here you are building this incredible agency with all, all these years of experience between the three of you, you wanted it to be a happy place to work, which is a, a very, um, interesting choice of words uh, especially prior to our current chapter that we're all living. You know, two, uh, my two questions are, you're in the world of health. When are we launching our vaccine? Okay, you don't have to answer that. Um, <laughs> and then secondly, you know, what's the last few months been like? How, how you know, you, you mentioned earlier that um, you got people back to work in the city offices today. Like spend a, you know, I think it's interesting. We've been doing these lives now for a while and the tone as with time is different. Time heals, right? That's the beautiful thing about time. Lightning speed molasses. Every day we get up, we do a different version of whatever this routine is that's not a routine and we heal a tiny bit. So interviewing you now is obviously going to feel a lot different than if we had hopped on this, you know, March 20th. Um, so I'd love to hear... Uh, and it feels very tinged with hope. And I think that's important for everyone to hear. I'd love to hear like your experience, how the team's been, like what's, ex what's happening and you know, how it feels. And where the vaccine is. No, I'm just yeah. kidding, <laughs> but not. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, so 
It, that is an interesting question because we, you know, we did set out to, you know, to create a happy workshop. And that's so different. Like when you're actually in the office together, brainstorming and, you know, like feeling each other and feeding off each other's energy. It's so much harder to do that virtually. We've managed to do it. Like I have to say, so we also, our London office was always virtual. Like even though we would go out there and teams, you know, on rotation would spend time out there. And I know, you know, my partners and I would go out there for weeks at end. They were always sort of virtual, but very much integrated in our team for the first time, you know, since, you know, COVID happened, the quarantine, I have a full taste of what they've been experiencing day in and day out. And it wasn't nearly as easy as I expected. We've, um, people are anxious to get back into the office. Like I have to say, there was a huge sort of wait list as far as those who can, you know, start, you know, um, entering the office, obviously with all the conditions that we have, you know, um, specified per all the regulations, you know, that are required. But we have been doing it um, in a way that's just, you know, everyone sort of shows up, cameras on all the time, which I think can be exhausting, right? It is exhausting when you're on camera the entire day and it's hard, you know, to sort of manage that. But we, so meeting after meeting, our days start really early because we do have a lot of international clients. And so we'll allow five minutes, like every meeting, even if it's a client meeting, we'll start at like five minutes after and five minutes or 10 minutes early so that people can actually just have a moment to like get up, stand up, grab water, you know, whatever it is they need. We've been trying to be sort of disciplined about you know, that break in between. So that lunch hour and disciplined about like sort of cutting off at a certain time. Um, but the people, when they show up on camera, like it's still that same way. So there's still that levity. There's still that like inspiration. People are, are there from each other within our agency. People have started to actually from the onset, create their own forums for um, get together. So there's this Saturday sesh that one of our creative directors, you know, created where people can just go there and, you know, and hang out. There's lunch hours. People have created these opportunities within the day and, and even afterwards. So we have yoga in the mornings, you know, like on certain days that one of our employees, you know, one of our directors had um, sort of created and a couple things throughout actually on the evenings so that people can stay connected and, um, feel inspiration, whether it's virtual events. So our whole agency is contributing to this, this new way of life and supporting the need for people to be um, exposed to different things, to feel connected to each connected. other. Yeah. You know, and not to interrupt you, I mean, that's, that's literally your, what you're saying is exactly what we're trying to do, like with this, you know, and, and the Dreamcatchers web, because so often, you know, doesn't matter where you work. That's what we all want right now is to just connect with others in ways that feels a little bit like a hug, right? Because we're not hugging physically. So if we can figure out ways to provide content and I love hearing that your agency is doing things like that just naturally, organically, so that people feel connected because even though you're on all day, it doesn't necessarily mean you feel connected, you're doing your job, you're, and then you sign off and you stand up for five minutes to pee and then you get back on and do it again. And um, to be able to feel that personal connection, I think is so important. And I love to hear that your leadership, it sounds like, was creating that for their teams. How do you guys, I just, I want to be mindful of time. I set an alarm because speaking of clients and meetings, she has to be on an international call not too long from now. So um, I could talk to her all day long and I probably will soon. Um, but I want to be mindful of time. So when you're hiring, um, how do you identify these incredible people? How, who, who, how do you become a mind and assembly 
person because obviously you're describing something that is a culture. You know, if there's someone that's your creative director that happens to institute a yoga for people during a time where now they're Zooming and there's Saturday sessions and all these amazing things that necessarily didn't necessarily come from your, your brain power. You're hiring people that are a certain echelon. Brand, how, yeah. How, 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 how um, what's your process? Um, you know, so when we first created the agency, we actually didn't have any titles. So we just had departments and there were no titles. And I think that that, that element is actually important because the type of person that would want to join an agency, regardless of how many years, you know, they've, you know, been in the industry or how many titles they've had along their career, like to someone to sort of walk away from that and say, okay, I want to be here because I want to get back to just creating. Like I want to be just a writer or just a designer or, you know, like feed into the process. That was a part of it. Like in understanding people that weren't so, um, title driven. Yeah, exactly. Where they just were coming into like, yeah, hop titles and, you know, um, or levels. And so, that was an aspect. We actually since then have had to because our clients actually sort of forced, but we have, whereas some agencies have like 11 or 12, we only have still just a few, but that actually weeds out candidates because people that come in that are fixated on the level mm -hmm. of how they're being called, you know, and what their role is, um, as it, as it's expressed externally, like in the world, mm -hmm. they're not right for, for everyday. Like that's just not part of, I think our family, because we do approach it as a family. Um, as we're interviewing though, it, you, you can easily sort of get a sense for people that are doing things because they really believe in it, that they're inspired by others and want to sort of push for what we call uncompromising standards and unconditional support that like they're devoted to each other. They're devoted to the work. Um, and they'll do it at all costs, you know, in support of the, the greater team. And through an interview, you can actually get a sense in even the way they talk, the way that, you know, sort of like ask certain questions, how much of it is about them versus, you know, the agency and the value that they can bring. So we've been through some of, I think, the questions, you know, over time, I have to say, this has been a learning process because there have been tons of, you know, people that we've sort of brought over that came from like big agencies where they had levels. And no matter how many times, you know, we sort of challenged, well, do you really love to roll up your sleeves and get into it? Like, are you sure that this is really what you want? They would say yes, because I think they were attracted to the culture, but when they were there, they didn't really actually want to do that. Like they, or they like, or they like, don't know how, you know, we, we, we deal with that often. Marissa and I are a small business, right? And we interview people to work for us that you have to want a certain way, right? We're sisters, we're family run, our dad's there, you know, you could say all you want that you want it, but you have to really a be open-minded, but B and, 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 and be able to do it and actually physically, mentally, emotionally be able to switch gears because it's so, it is challenging to go from like a title driven um, culture to a culture like yours, it seems. I do think it's important to say to anyone that's listening is that in media, media is one of the few industries that's extremely focused and always has been on title promotion, changing mm -hmm. elevation. Like cyclically, I, I, I've been in staffing for 16 years. When you see a resume from media, if you're at a firm for a certain amount of years, you're usually at a certain title for a certain amount of time, it is very title promotion driven. Mm -hmm. where, where other industries, it's less so. So to create a business or to create an agency that is not title centric is novel 
in is a world a, where a you're, you're breaking down, you're putting in your world, down for sure. barriers and making sure that you're connecting to people that are, and I mean, if, if there's ever been a thing that is ego driven, it's title. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that's- I mean, You don't want to bring your ego. I mean, I always said, it's so funny, because I would never even know this, but of course I built my our business or our division from my own hands and didn't know anything. I would tell anybody, you can call yourself whatever you want. Don't care. Yeah. And make your own name up. I can change my name a few times, whatever's appropriate. I'll change my name in my own In fact, when she, made me, when she made me VP and she's SVP, should I, I'm like, should I be like- <laughs> EVP or should I just be VP? She's like, let's just do EVP. Like, I'll be founder. I'm like, okay, you know. Well, I'm like, yeah. sometimes, you need, sometimes you need it, sometimes you don't. You know what? Sometimes I need to be a coordinator. Let's be honest. But it is interesting what you said, Joelle, about that your clients kind of dictated that, right? Because you get to a point where they the need, calls, they they want need certain- you to have accountability. They need to know who they're talking to and they need to know yeah, why. It needs to be delineated for the, for the yeah. client's sake. But yes, as far as a culture goes, you could care less what anybody's called, which I love. Right, exactly. Yeah, but that's, I mean, it's, it's a sort of as simple as that, but you were like, you just sort of, one of the things that you both just said, like that idea that you started small and you created this, like there is an entrepreneurial sort of mentality that's needed, mm-hmm. even the size that we're at, which has been sort of, you know, you have to take a lot to consider as you're, as we've grown to sort of maintain that intimate culture and, you know, and ensure that egos don't get in the way that like seniority or titles, you know, like that, none of that actually matters at all. And it is an entrepreneurial spirit, like someone who's curious, who just sort of wants to, you know, like, again, get into the thick of it all. And who's not afraid to be challenged by others, regardless if that person is literally at, like two days out of, out of college, you know? So and that's sort of what we've done. Like we've made it very clear that everyone that works in the agency, they have a voice, their voice matters. Doesn't matter how long they've been here, you know, or at the, you know, the agency um, or in the industry. And, and that's been a huge part, I think, of fueling the right thing. But it's not always easy to like, I think it's been easier to assess, but I definitely made a lot of mistakes on the way, you know, like, especially in mm-hmm. clients. It's hard. Yeah, who the right person is, you know, some trials. So speaking of, Tell us something you've, I mean, it doesn't sound like you've done much failing, um, but what's something that you can share that's a failure? Failure. And by failure, something you learned from, something maybe you pivoted um, at the agency or professionally, like personally, that while you were building this, because obviously it sounds like rainbows and unicorns, but obviously it was very difficult work. Anything that you, you know, besides of course, bringing over some people that didn't fit, was there anything kind of large scale at all during this process that you, you know, tripped and fell a little and started over? Um, yeah, I mean, there's definitely been a lot of learnings, you know, through it, like, yeah, decisions that we made, you know, at the onset, even just this. So for instance, like starting with no titles and then having our clients sort of say, well, we need to understand if there's three people in a room, like who, the, you know, I'm talking to, right. So, so things that we've sort of learned along the way that way, but because we're a company of our size and we're not like beholden to any holding company, company, we are able to just sort of make a decision and sort of switch that. Um, I guess one thing, so this is actually interesting. Like one thing that we did at the start was we actually um, offered unlimited vacation. We, we thought that that was important, that people need to know that like, they could take the time off that they need, you know, when they when they want it, right? When they need it, and that they're going to be anyone that we hire is going to be accountable, respectful enough to not overuse it. And so that was something that was really important to us. And but what we learned over, uh, you know, two years of doing that is that 
people were not taking vacation. I think that they were, there was, there were a handful of people that were taking a lot of vacation, like a lot, but that was okay. That's what we said, as long as they were responsible and it was accountable. What we found is that the greater portion of the agency were not taking a lot of vacation. They were just, they were, I think in some ways afraid that the perception would be, you know, and even though how many times we talked about it, we said, use your days, like, you know, um, there was this fear. So we actually asked the agency, like, what do you, what do you guys want to do? Like, do you want to set something? Would that be better? And we had sort of this, you know, blinded poll and the agency said, actually, we need a little bit of guidance here. Like, like they need the boundary. Yeah, exactly. And that I thought was fascinating because I didn't, truthfully, I didn't expect that, but I, but I could understand it. Like the desire to have a little bit of guidance and to sort of know what's okay and what's not, you know? But I would never have expected that if you had asked me when we first rolled out Unlimited Vacation because we thought that that was like a major win for everyone. You know what's That's so interesting about, that is a really interesting thing because I, you know, I've been, I spent my entire, almost my entire career after tripping a little bit in PR, in HR and recruitment, mostly in corporate HR and then joined Marissa. But I find HR is so interesting. Now I'm a parent, obviously, and I've been a parent for eight years tomorrow. Um, my oldest will be eight tomorrow. And I think that parenting is so similar to HR and running a business, right? So like you, you say to yourself, I was shocked that I gave them unlimited vacation and then no one knew what to do. It's like, if you give your children, or in this case, your employees, all the freedom in the world to do whatever they want, they either abuse that freedom or they are scared to do it at all, right? So it's like, here, you, you know, go to bed whenever you want. Just go to bed at 11 if I, all, for all I care, right? And then the, do you find the children being like, all right, well, I get to stay up as, you know. And then the next night they're exhausted because they stayed up too late the night before and they're like, you know what, maybe I am going to go to bed at a normal time. So I think what's so interesting is that the way you approach running a business, even at your level and your size, you can still make a choice that you, you know, you're surprised by the result. And it's, it's no different than being a parent. You let them eat whatever they want, then they get a stomachache. They I need was gonna, I was going to equate it. I was going to equate it to a, a, a hotel buffet. Or a hotel buffet. Like, you, it's so interesting. You remember on vacation? Remember when we go on vacation? Remember yeah. This? So um, you go to a resort and it's like you're, all you eat, can eat. There's so many choices. You can't you even come decide. Out you come out strong. Day one, you're like omelet and like, like sides you know uh, this has never been me because my dad didn't raise us this way but i'm like sitting there i'm like you know what summer gets the buffet and then we'll just eat off summer's plate um <laughs> summer's my little one but you know it, it starts off some way and then when you create you realize by the second day you're like nah, i don't need that um but the structure once you commit to structure you see that people for what it's worth even creatives need something to hold on to because when you're undefined mm -hmm. and i found that through the years of me hiring and I've always run small teams, I gave such a long leash that it actually hurt me. And I would say, I would say, you know what? I gave you too much. You need more structure. And, it, and, and I realized that I was giving so much because I felt it was an overcompensation to share the fact that I wasn't there all the time. So I wanted to give because I wasn't there, but I wasn't there because it wasn't working. I wasn't there. I wasn't there because I had children. Right. So th those were things that were they were not mutually exclusive. So when you when you scale that up and you sit down with a, a new owner of a, a new agency and you say, guess what? I gave too much vacation and no one knew what to do with it. I would say that that would be the, the blown up version of me saying, come in when you want. Right. Mm -hmm. 
Um, no more buffet. No, no more no. buffet. Agreed. I love that. And and actually, as a segue too, tell us a little bit. I know we 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 asked this earlier, but it didn't necessarily get answered yet. And I'd love to hear. Besides going virtual, obviously, as we all have. Tell us a little bit about how this period of time has affected you personally, professionally. How I'm guessing it's been busy. Like the healthcare world has not felt. Yeah. Yeah, it hasn't. It's been, I mean, we have been, there are definitely some brands that have, you know, I think like some of the, you know, either the scopes, like scopes of work or, you know, sort of the budgets have either sort of been put on hold a little bit or declined while other brands are ramping up and new, you know, like new pitches, new launches. So it's sort of like we've been sort of balanced in that way, but it's been, um, I mean, people are just plugging through, honestly. Like, it's, it is exhausting. Like, it's exhausting. And everyone has seen it, all the reports as far as Zoom fatigue and what this does. And, and I think, like, needing to make sure, like, people are putting personal boundaries as far as, you know, like, how many Zooms are on and allowing for those little times. But we're, I mean, it's not, the fact that our office is opening this week, you know, at least in that sort of smaller, that, you know, minimum capacity, right, phase one, um, is a huge relief to, I think, a number of people just knowing that, their turn is coming up to, you know, to be able to go in because we do need that, you know, that interaction, but it has been, you know, it's been exhausting. Like it has definitely been tiring (coughs) after meeting, after meeting, after meeting, you know, there's in the same way though, you know, that you've got, which is agency life. Both of you know that, that, you know, like you've got, there's long nights, there's weekend work, you know, I think it's just compounded though when you're sitting in front of your screen the entire time and you can't get up. But I'm not sure that's at, unlike a lot of other companies right now, right? I mean, for us, we do ensure that everyone is on camera so that we could see each other. And again, you're at least forging that communication to the extent possible. And then we're able to laugh together, you know, because I think if you're hid, hiding behind, you know, a big J, for instance, or, you know, an M, like you don't really, you don't see each other. And it's, I don't know, you can make joke, but it doesn't sort of come through in the same way. So we are, in, you know, ensuring that, but as far as like, so is that answering your question though? As far yeah, as yeah, no, absolutely. And now, are you are are you guys hiring at all? Did you have to furlough anyone or lay anybody? Like, how has your business had to? I mean, you don't have to speak specifics, but how has that changed? And do you see a ramp up? Obviously, as you continue to grow, I mean, the the goal of an agency, no different than our type of agency, is to grow business and to get new business. So, are you feeling like you're still going after new business? Are you more maintaining your current? clients like how has that shifted through this whole process yeah so i mean so both so right now as it relates to covid we have not so covid we have not had to have any furloughs any layoffs or anything that's great at the beginning of march though there was a piece of business that um that was that was coming to an end so there were a couple people that were directly tied to that business that we ended up um, sort of parting ways with, you know, in a mutual way. And that was not, you know, something that was sort of unplanned, unexpected, although there were some signs, you know, that were leading there. But in the meantime, there's been new business, new business wins, new business, you know, sort of pitches, a lot of organic growth. So we've been balancing it um, and we have been growing. So, you know, as it relates to the COVID, that, that thankfully has not actually had, you know, a negative impact on us. It has forced us to... Um, because there are some brands that are sort of on hold while other brands are, you know, have heated up or other launches have come in. So we've sort of reallocated. And I think it's forcing a lot more like that resource planning, you know, sort of scheduling and taking a look to see, you know, where things can sort of come into play. But um, wait, there was one other, so you would ask, oh, as far as the interviewing. 
So we always do exploratory interviews. I mean, I think we like to know that we've got really incredible candidates lined up when an opportunity comes in. And so okay. right now we have a number of people that check in with us almost weekly to say, is there something right now? Can we come in? You know, is there, um, and we sort of continue those conversations because oftentimes I, I would say a good, a good portion of our agency have actually been those people that we had an exploratory interview to get people lined up. Then when the business comes in, we call them and within three weeks they're, they're here. And so, I love. by the way, I love that. I mean, that is literally probably like a breath of fresh air because I have to be honest. I have to be honest. It's literally like one of the major things we tell people all the time is network the most when you need it the least. It's literally one of my favorite sayings. I say it almost every episode, every single interview I ever do with anyone because there's three major reasons a job is available, as I like to remind people all the time. And in Joelle's world and a world like Joelle's, uh, you know, it is it is very important to remember. OK, the only reason that a job is open is because somebody left, somebody got promoted or they added headcount. And that's it. Right. So often people are like, I don't know why I'm not hearing back, blah, blah, blah. But in a job like Joelle's, I mean, a company like Joelle's, they could win a new piece of business next week. Right. They could have a pitch next week they are not necessarily thinking about staffing that pitch right now or that new business because they don't know that they're going to win it and they might be able to reallocate people within the agency to cover that piece of business but likely they're going to maybe need to ramp up hiring when they win that piece of business so if you reach out on the first and on the 21st they now have a new business that they need to staff guess who they're going to go back to they're going to go back to that person that they met on the first so that's what we always tell people is reaching out and connecting and going for informational interviews. And there are people out there like a Joelle that would take a chance on you. By the way, I, I, I think it's so wonderful to even say the sentence, say, guys, there are companies out there that want, want what you want. There yes. are companies out there that are, you know, unfortunately the noise and or the feelings that most people feel do not echo with the sentiment you're sharing. Most of the stuff that we hear or read or see about is negative, right? Not from you, but I'm just saying in general in the job search. I mean, granted, we're on the front lines. And I hate to use that word now, but it's a word I'd always use. Um, we're on the front lines of stuff. And people don't call me when they're happy. Right. Yeah. I don't get happy phone calls. So all of my phone calls and emails through the years have been kind of negative PR on whatever brand they were escaping from. Right. So it is nice to take a moment and say, listen, there are organizations, especially more now than ever, that are out there that want to hire you and want to find people that match their And even if they can't today, and, and they, they want to remember. You. Right. Or and even if they can't hire you today, like that's great, Joelle, that she has opportunity. And even if there's companies like Joelle's that are like, maybe they can't hire you today, but they're still open to talk to you so that when they can hire you're the person they call. Right. And that's um, the type of thing where I would say to anyone that's right now kind of in quicksand, um, which is really a lot of us, right, is to, to identify and spend time reaching organ researching organizations that really are like Joelle's, you know, that have uh, a reputation or a, 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 a place in society in which they're trying really hard to be better, right, than, than others. Um, not in a bad way, just because authentically they are. Um, and if you focus your search on firms like that, you'll find that you'll, you, you won't feel so much negative around you. So with that said, 
Um, Joelle, if, is there a, a, a sage bit of wisdom that maybe you could tell people right now? Um, a, a gift from you to them of like how to be, how to feel. Like a lot of people right now are stuck, not working. That's stuff. Anything that you can impart? I think it's precisely what you just said, Marissa. I think it's just about being open and being curious. Like I think if you are curious and you're you know, you're open to just sort of seeing, you know, what can be out there, like that will always serve you well. I mean, that, that's what it sounds like you both of you have been echoing, you know, for a while and trying to encourage. It's this interesting dynamic happens, like where a lot of times people from our, you know, our agency or myself included, will reach out to people that we know, or we've heard about through the industry who are happy in their career. Um, and just to sort of get a chance to know them. So we'll actually reach out to them just to sort of, you know, introduce ourselves, invite them to, into the agency when we have the agency or invite them into our virtual, you know, sort of agency. Um, now, and people oftentimes will say initially at first, well, you know what, I'm happy. No, I'm happy where I am. Make a move. And I'm like, just, just come and see, because I think people are not, and I felt this way too, actually. Like I didn't even know that it could be like this. And so people sort of say, okay, any other agency, right? It's like the devil, you know, or the devil, you don't. Right. And so they sort You're of like, like, I'm good here. Yeah. Yeah. And they've got their reputation, they've got their, you know, like their years in or their comfort. And when I finally sort of convince them, just meet me for coffee, like just have a conversation, just feel the energy here. I literally, I mean, 99% of the time will end up having them send a, a follow-up note and a resume saying, okay, let me know when something's available. Like, what I love that. And you know what? That's another thing we say often. It's just a meeting. It's not a job offer. Just a meeting. Yeah. Just a conversation. And um, I love that you're you're portraying that energy from the other from side, the hiring. Yeah, because we talk about that all the time. You never, you just never know unless you go. Is another thing we always say. It just go or just chat or just meet. If nothing else, it's just a new person to add to your LinkedIn, a new person to add to your network, your web, so that in ten days, fifteen days, three months, six months. When you are ready or they are ready, there you go. Um, it's just positive energy, which breeds more positive energy, which it sounds like you guys at Minds and Assembly are doing, you know, every day, which I love. Um, so is there anything else? I'm looking at the clock because I know you have to go soon. Um, is there anything else professionally uh, that we should have asked and didn't? Um, something you wanted to take a moment and, and showcase or celebrate? No pressure. We celebrated your ad week, your ad week listing. I love that. Or, or ranking. Um, oh, I'm sorry, Joel. Were you also maybe honored by working? Was it working mother magazine? Oh, it was, she runs it. Yeah. Oh, she runs it. Organization, you know, that's in um, New York city. That's actually, so it was the former like advertising women of New York. So, um, this is actually an organization that my sister is very involved in. And, and I had sort of been to some of the events. It's really incredible, like really just incredible women. It's not, it doesn't feel contrived. It doesn't feel like it's like a sort of one of those networking events. It really is just women that want to share. Support and, other women. Yeah. It's like, and it's similar. It's funny. Cause I think I mentioned after that, I was you like, did. I want you both to get, to get exposed to it. Cause it is so unbelievable. And it's so perfect. Just, you know, thinking about dynamics and chemistry and personality and culture. Um, mm -hmm. That's it. As it relates to the company, no. I mean, I guess, I think we asked, you know, you asked a lot of questions. I think, you know, I'm just, I think I'm really proud, really impressed, you know, just um, in awe of, you know, the people at my agency, all hundred plus that are just, you know, that plug away every day, especially during this time. And, you know, I, 
you know, I guess I want to use this as an opportunity just to thank them because it's just really incredible. And obviously my partners and support system, you know, here, my husband's incredible <laughs> and learned a lot from my sister, my, you know, my mom as well. But um, no, that's really it. I would say, oh, go on. Do you, now we're big believers in kind of mantras and action words and intention and setting intention. Anything, any mantra that you live by or anything that you repeat to yourself over and over as you've grown in your career and now are this, you know, boss babe, for lack of a better cliche, any mantra that you live by or any action word that you feel really power, you know, passionate about? Um, not necessarily a word, but I think what I believe in and I think what probably guides me every day in, in like within the halls of my agency and, you know, and without is probably our agency values, which we constructed with our agency, which is, you know, be good, be fearless and be kind. Um, you see a lot of that, I think, on our social because, you know, for us, it isn't just values or words or rhetoric. Like it really is meaningful. And you think if you just go back to like the basic humanity of those three things, when I focus on that, I, I like I, I see a difference and it's something I'm always echoing. Like, you know, at different times is different things, you know, like be kind, obviously you always want that. <laughs> Same would be good. But like, I think the idea of being fearless, you know, especially in today's you know, day and age is really important. And it is um, something that I think people should be practicing, you know, all the time. Like there's no, it goes back to that idea of like curiosity and just pushing for what you believe in, right? Conviction. So. I love that. And, you know, I think you're hundred percent right. And, and being able to kind of just those basic funding, and mental skills of being a good human is what makes you a good professional. So um, thank you for sharing that. I love that too. And, and we like to wrap, as I like to say, like shake it out. Cause we're, we're done with all the, the businessy questions. We like to wrap with a fun question at the end of our conversations. And, and there's different ones that we sometimes call upon depending on the mood and who we're talking to. But one of the things I'd love to ask you as somebody that is surrounded by brands and creates brands and, has to know brands inside and out. Um, I, we have a big kind of um, uh, word in our office that we talk about often, which is a brand crush, right? So in fact, just as a segue fast, we tell candidates and clients all the time, you know, to make yourself that brand crush list, right? Now Minds and Assemblies on my brand crush list. Um, you know, make yourself that list of brands that you're like crushing on right now that you want to work for or touch or experience. And that's a good way to kind of start your job search. As I always say to people, like not just the brand themselves, but then the agency that represents that brand or who does their buying and their planning. And that's how you can find yourself that first 10, 15, 20 list of places to reach out to on LinkedIn when you're looking for a job. Um, but as far as a brand crush, is there anything right now that through the pandemic and quarantine, that you've kind of crushed on or something that's helped you survive or any brand that you think is just really killing it right now and how they've presented themselves or pivoted or anything along those lines, anything that you could want to shout out? I um, have so many brands. There's actually like, this is hard to narrow down because I actually have like so many different brands. Like I think, um, and there's probably some obvious ones that I think that have just helped me through the pandemic. But one brand actually that, this is so timely, that I just was exposed to a couple days ago for the first time um, or I guess maybe it was last week because I actually received the product of this, you know, of this brand. One of my friends introduced it to me and I fell in love with the site and then the actual product is called um, Farm Girl Flowers. Have you ever heard of it? See, I've seen them. <gasps> I've seen them too. Gorgeous stuff. And you order them and they come in like this burlap. I've been sending them as gifts because I'm absolutely in love with it. Like it comes in this little burlap, you know, um, sort of package and it's all about maintaining, you know, like 
just a better way to sort of, you know, flower and in a more cost-effective way, but also to ensure that we are, you know, being in environmentally, you know, sort of just aware, I guess. But the way that um, it's packaged and the simplicity and the personality, it's, you know, it's really great. And you can actually even start subscribing, which I think is great. Mm-hmm. This burlap um, sort of package of flowers. I'm like sort of describing it. I don't know if you could see my hands, but where it comes and it's wrapped. And so I've been sending that and, the experience has just been fantastic. It's new, but I was um, automatically just impressed with their presence, you know, the simplicity in it and just the overall product because it's really beautiful. So gorgeous. I actually am seeing if I can pull it up and you guys could actually see it if I hold it up, but I don't think you will, but. I think it's like, flowers. yeah, farm girls, farm girl flowers. Like, look, it's so gorgeous. If you can see, they like, can you see that? Yeah. Like I follow, I actually follow her. I forget who told me about it too, but I'm like, the stuff is so gorgeous. Like I can't even stand it. And a real tribute to showcasing a simple joy, right? Yeah. Right. And I, I really do think right now we have been regulated or recalibrated to remember what simple joys are. Sure. You know, I mean, if, if you get a bouquet of flowers and it comes in a, a, a gorgeous, I mean, granted, we've always loved, everyone loves flowers, right? But if you receive something now that's packaged beautifully and thought out, I mean, you you admire, I mean, we're stopping and smelling the roses. You can't say that we're not. Um, we, we may be crazy. We're not all the time in the world. We smell that good. good. But we'll yeah. stop and we'll smell them, you know? Yeah. Um, so I think, I think I like that. And and, and and we we do like to say we do like to ask something fun, so you know you don't necessarily and I I am saying this with the utmost love because I am privy to a little bit of your personal life which I will not air here. But <laughs> I mean, is there is there a moment to relax? And it, 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 what is it that you would do to relax? Now, granted, I do know that you just spent some socially distant time in Stone Harbor with some other friends of ours. So I see that you, I know that you know how to vacation um, and you took some of your days that you allocate, but what is, what do you do? What's relaxing? Or is there something that you've done that's indulgent during this time, whether it's been watching Tiger King or something that is unexpectedly fun that you can share? Unexpectedly fun. Oh, huh. Let's see. I, Did you bake any sourdough bread or like like everyone else or banana bread? <laughs> Are you doing yoga on your roof? Like what's what's happening? Well, yeah. So I feel like I have been exercising a lot and I have indulged in like more, you know, like just more virtual classes, things like that, that I, a virtual trainer. So even aside from classes, just where I can sort of get like my sanity, my therapy, exercise has always been a huge part of like, I think my personal therapy, just sort of peace Same. of mind. No interruptions. I think I'm vicious if anyone tries to interrupt. But um, I, uh, so here's, this is weird. We actually just started watching the full, my husband and I, Game of Thrones. Mm-hmm. I'm like, I didn't understand the craze for so long. And by the time that I was ready to like dive into it, it felt like it was almost a chore that there was so much, overwhelming as far as how much, to, you know, how many seasons already passed. But we're now up to season seven. And I have to say, I get it. I get the craze. <laughs> it is gory. It's amazing. Every, you know, unexpected. And I guess that's sort of like my little indulgence lately. And By the way, that's, jealous. That's, that's a big deal. I'm jealous of that because my husband is a huge Game of Thrones fan, like obsessive. And for some reason, I didn't watch with him. Like it was one of those things where he started it and I was either like working or busy with the kid, like whatever, because it's been probably my whole 
motherhood. Maybe he was doing it and I was like, I don't know, with the children, <laughs> who knows? Um, that doesn't paint the best picture of him. But um, I, I missed the boat. And now I'm like, do I watch it alone? Like, that's a big undertaking to do by yourself. With you. I think he should, he owes it to you to watch it with you. I think that right? he's- I agree. Good I'm going to do that. I'm going to make him watch it with me. Um, well, I'll let you know. I'll let you know if I watch it by 2027. Yeah, Marissa's joke is everything we tell her to watch. She's like, I'll watch it next year. I, you know, I, I was like that, Marissa. But like, this is the time. Like, if you're gonna do it now, is the perfect time because you've got you've got some time. Do you have time? I guess not because you have. I mean, I don't know. I don't we really actually to 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 echo that sentiment. I um of the two of us tend to be the one that like consumes a little bit more media. But um, I still have, I fall asleep and I'm not, I, I, I put on a facade that I watch a lot of shows, but I did just do that same thing with Schitt's Creek, which I cannot recommend enough. And everyone in the world was like, you must watch the show. And I watched the first season and then I kind of was like, it was good. And then like I sat and we picked it back up and we just finished season six, which is a lot of TV to have consumed in the last few weeks. Um, but I'm trying to get Marissa to do that first. And then I guess- I, I, my, my children don't sleep. My days don't end. God knows what's going on right now. So, you know, when I, and I also, I'm the type of person that needs to be, I need to be very present to relax. Mm -hmm. So I'm not good at like, if I want to watch the show, I want to watch the show. So if I have other things happening, that's not enjoyable to me. Yeah. By the way, um, really not amazing if you want to consume media. Joelle, what'd you say? What do you do to relax? Is that what you asked to relax are you, are you putting this on me yeah <laughs> like because i can imagine right like it's probably it is you just said it very difficult for you to relax you've always both of you have always had your hands uh, we we jamie and i are fundamental fundamentally different um although a lot the same so i i don't relax well i have to, know how to i don't i don't i don't relax well i will say this i um i it's because i can't detach but when I am detached and present, I'm great. So, um, so I'm not great that often. <laughs> like I'm great right now. If if you get when you get my undivided attention, I'm perfect. When I'm when I'm distracted, I'm less than. Um, I notice that now more than ever. But I will say that I need five, maybe three minutes on sand with water, and I'm great. That's it. Sand. Mm-hmm. Sand. As soon as I'm, as soon as I'm there now, I may, I may be moody and combusting and, and right now everything, one thing goes in, one thing goes out. I just was thinking in the back of my mind, when we hang up, I I definitely forgot to do like six things. So like, you know, I have to like catch back up, but I, I would say I do do a lot of exercise. Um, I don't, I used to be a huge reader. Now I have to read when I'm uninterrupted, which is very, very specific time. Um, I indulge right now in, this is embarrassing, but real truth. I don't love reality TV. I think it's just dumb, but I love silly. I like reality singing shows. I like dream chasing shows, but I love silly one dimensional OC gossip girl tween stuff like so all you- Ameri- like all American was next level for me. Um, I watched Cheer and loved it. Um, I definitely watched Outer Banks and definitely haven't stopped thinking about it. <laughs> I need to be entertained. I I can't do serious because you know what? Here's the thing. 
life is serious and I am, most people know me to be, I'm extremely sensitive. I can't watch a lot of stuff before bed because it, it, it infiltrates. No thanks. I'd rather watch John B. Look for treasure in Outer Banks because he's <laughs> cute and I'm old. I like that. Um, so that's how I, I, and I also drink a lot. So there you go. Mm -hmm. Um, but I, I, I wouldn't say I'm a relaxed person. I think that my, my equivalent of relaxed is being present. And if you can get me present, then I am relaxed. Those well, thank you. Are thank you for being present with us today. I think in the interest of time, we have to let Joelle hang up because she has to switch gears. Speaking and she of. has protected five minutes. Uh, yeah. yeah, now she has five minutes to stand up, peach, like drink a glass of water. Joelle, thank you so much for being here today and inspiring us to continue leading with light the way that you are at your I mean, age. You're a true example of leading with light. True example. As are both of you. I have to say, thank you so much for this. Like, it's so great. First of all, it's so great seeing you guys again after, you know, so much time. Um, and I'm so proud of you. And I, I am so, um, I just feel honored that you invited me onto the show to be able to. Oh, and we're so proud of you. And, and you know, I'm going to give a special shout out to your staff because I know that they're going to see this. Yeah. And I, I mean, how fortunate to, to have Joelle and her partners on your career path. How fortunate for you all to work in this incredible environment. Um, make room for me. You know, maybe yeah, I'll right? come in and teach some, some <laughs> class one day. Um, but I look forward to seeing you soon. And uh, good luck with your next chapter of your day. And uh, that's the good stuff. Sounds great. Thank you both. Thank so you, Joelle. And thank you to Ming and Share Universe for doing our sound and to our team for capturing all this for social. And we'll see you soon.